this day, some 2,000 years ago, the church was born on the day of Pentecost as we recognize it on our calendars. And on that day, 3,000 believers professed Christ and did just that. And that's why I say this never gets old here 2,000 so years later. 25 people uh, give their life to Christ. It's not, it's not the number as much as it's each individual story and that declaration of their faith. Now, as you have your Bibles, be finding the book of Acts chapter 2. I want to briefly share with you, I think, a message that would be appropriate for the day of Pentecost. Let's talk about the day of Pentecost. And what does that mean and how does that fit into uh, our church? And does it have any relevance? Something that happened thousands of years ago? Really? Does it have anything to do with us today? It absolutely does. That's why this day is important. I bring it up. That's why we are having strategy meeting for 2014 today is because of its significance. Just as the church began 2,000 years ago, so we are looking here today at our church and remembering back just 13 years ago when we launched our church in the living room. We had our very first strategy meeting. I still have the original handwritten notes of that meeting. And when we met and we talked about with just a few families where we're going from here. Well, it wasn't quite as climactic as today, nor was it as as the day of Pentecost, but it was a day. We said as a group of people in the living room that we want to be a part of something that's bigger than us, that goes on beyond us, that touches beyond us. And I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope that you are here today and if you're a follower of Christ and you're a part of this and you call this your church home, please don't do that in some vain, repetitious manner. Do it with all of your heart and say, I'm a part of a movement of God that was to impact the world, the Maitalese-speaking people in India, or the women caught in human trafficking, or a tribal people in, uh, in West Africa, or an orphan child in Northwest Arkansas, or maybe just my neighbor who doesn't know Christ. On, on the day of Pentecost, it was a pretty significant day because it was actually a Jewish holiday. Pentecost actually meant 50. It was a Hebrew word meaning 50. You never find it in the Old Testament, but it points back to 50 days since the last day of Passover. So it was actually a Jewish holiday, sometimes called the Feast of Weeks. And it was the biggest holiday, the biggest jubilation, the time in which everyone would come to Jerusalem and celebrate. It was a feast time where you celebrated the harvest. It was a time where every language would be represented. It was a humongous time. Jerusalem itself was already a major trade hub along the, in the, at the, at the, at the, at the end of the Mediterranean Sea. But it was more than that. It was a day whenever the, all the Greco-Roman world and all the believers would come to Jerusalem and on that day. And that day became a significant day, just as we did. And we'll see the significance of that in just a moment. But when you look back, again, if you can point a time, uh, at this stage is a timeline. And this is the day of Pentecost. And this is where we are at today. Can we find anything on this timeline? Can we look back at the church in Pentecost, at the, on the day of Pentecost, the church in Jerusalem? Can we find any birthmarks that, that, that identify the church then that are still true of us today? 
Beyond the baptism, the baptism is an important part, but is there any birthmarks that hopefully mark us? I think there are three of them at least when you look at Acts chapter 2. One is that you find this church that they are continually growing together. Now you notice in Acts chapter 2 verse 1 it says that when the day of Pentecost arrived they all were together and in one place. Now you might say, Mike, that's talking about geographically they're all under one roof. And yes, that would be absolutely true. But I think there's, there's more to it than they were just geographically under one roof in one location together. There's more than that because you go on later in chapter 2 in verse 46 and you find even more that this church, this early church, was together. Verse, uh, verse 46 says, Continuing daily in one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Listen, you're not going to be a part of a church and be glad about it if there's fighting and division and backbiting and gossiping. There's not gladness and there's not singleness of heart. There is agendas and there's a drivenness and there's a divisiveness about that church. I hope to God that as long as I pastor this church and well after the times that I pastor this church, that this church will be a church that is continually growing together. Even as we grow larger, that we will be a church that will continually grow together. Maybe we have to come back and revisit why we're here. Maybe we have to come back and re-talk about some of the things that were established on day one. And I think there's a lot of health in that. What brings us together? There's a common vision that was from true of day one. It's true of, uh, of day whatever this is, 13 years later. The common vision is that we are going to be a church for those who've given up on the church. But hasn't given up on God. I want to be a church whenever those who are tired of church, sick of church, tired of the legalism, tired of the denominationalism, tired of the fighting, and they walk away at some point in their life that whenever they reach a stage, when they say, okay, I can't figure this world out on my own. I can't figure this relationship with God out on my own. I hope that this is a body of believers that will welcome the broken, the lonely, the looking, the seeking, the hurting in and will embrace them. I hope that this will be a church that will keep that as a common vision. We have a common purpose. It's the same purpose we've had since the very beginning of time. If you're a member of Grace Point, you've gone through North Point. You've said this with me multiple times, so say it with me now. All right, we have a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission to build a great church for our great God. We are committed to it. When I say committed, that means we plan according to this. We staff according to this. We budget according to this. This great commitment is what? The great commandment and the great commission. Those two elements are what is common ground that we come around and we are going to be about those things. Now, methods are many, principles are few, methods change, but principles never do. There's going to be lots of different methods we're going to try out, but one of the things that's going to be steady are our principles. And we are committed to the great commandment and we are committed to the great commission. And we believe if we're committed to those two things, that we will grow a great church for our great God. Now, when I talk about the Great Commandment and the Great Commission, what does that look like? Well, how many of y'all were with us in the past 40 days of what on earth are you here for? Raise your hand. 
All right. So how many of y'all attempted, I won't ask for a complete read, but how many of y'all attempted to read the book with us? All right. The most of y'all. So in that process, you were challenged to find your purpose. And what I bet, if you paid attention, you found out is that worship has something to do with that and and transformation has something to do with that, and community has something to do with that, or fellowship, as he calls it, ministry, outreach. These are the things that we're committed to as a church. The very reasons that you exist to worship God, to have a life changed and transformed, to be a part of a community that's going somewhere and meaning something that adds value, that's the very reason that we exist. And that's why we're here, and it's been that way from the beginning of time. The beginning of our church's time. And when we do that, we will grow deeper, stronger, together, broader, and larger. We want to grow on every level, on every front as a church. That's the common ground. If you can rally around that, if you can see yourself in that, then you need to grow together with us. Now here's the beauty of it. As we grow together, we will, we will help one another. Now I'm, I like to read, and I don't always read Reader's Digest, but I do like to read it from time to time. I came across a story in Reader's Digest of what good a tree is. It talked about the root system of a tree and how when a tree in a forest is, is out there and it's in the dense forest and it's sitting there, but then you got a tree over here and it's by the, by the water's edge and you got a tree out here and it's out in the middle of a pasture, but it's all kind of connected and, and it's needing nutrients and it's needing water and it's needing sunlight. It's needing the right environment around it. And it's all, all these trees in this grove, they're longing for the same thing and they're, and they're grabbing at it underground and they're grabbing at it from the sky and they're grabbing at it. And you would think they would almost in some kind of, uh, some kind of biological way kind of cannibalize each other. But actually, according to this article, they don't. There's a fungus that grows on the roots of the tree. That actually the tree that's by the water's edge and the tree that's in the dense forest and the tree that's out on the, in the pasture and the nutrient rich ground of a, of a field. But that actually their root systems can connect with one another and through this fungus they will draw from one another's nutrients. One needs shade. One needs nutrients. One needs water. And their, their, their roots will interconnect and they will feed each other what one another needs. I say that to say this. We are just like that. God brings us together uniquely. Different ages, stages, phases of life, different gift sets, different the way God has shaped you. Everything we talked about last, last sermon message series. He brings us together so that we can connect with one another. And I need you and you need me and we need each other. And that's what it means to grow together. And I pray to God that... We, as the day on the day of Pentecost, they grew together that we will be a church that will grow together. The second birthmark of that church on that day in Pentecost was there was a supernatural working. This is the the indescribable elements. This is the part that you can't box up. This is the part that you can't market. This is the part that you can't put together. There's not a formula for it. You can't always figure it out. Well, you find that on the day of Pentecost. Now, this is a controversial passage of Scripture for some. Denominations have been born on Acts chapter 2. and You can do your own research on this. But when you find this passage and you find that all of a sudden the wind blows and the fire comes and the tongues begin to speak, the supernatural showing up of God happens in the room. 
And all of a sudden these people are filled and they're speaking and they're, and they're going out and they're sharing and, and they're speaking in a language that, that everyone was understanding. And you gotta remember what's going on. This is the, the week of feast. This is the, this is the time when all of these internationals are coming together. It's, it's kinda like Walmart shareholders when everybody comes together from all these lands. But everybody understands everyone. They come together. And all of a sudden, in one moment, one sermon by Peter, and this is what happens. Go to the passage. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language and they were amazed and astonished, saying that not all of these are uh, are all these who are speaking Galileans. That's almost an insult. The Galileans, they weren't the educated ones. That was who Jesus built his discipleship pool from. He says, are these Galileans? How's a Galilean speaking Greek? And how's a Galilean speaking Aramaic? They're Hebrews. They're Jews. They shouldn't be speaking my language. But the languages of that day, the languages of the tribals, they they had all come together. So the, the major languages were there. The tribal languages were there. And all of a sudden, these 120 believers were speaking in some supernatural way. The tongues of every person in the room, every person around were hearing this. Now, this is significant because from this, some people have taken and made it their prayer that they would have this special ecstatic utterance that they would be able to speak in a, in a heavenly tongue in some kind of manner like that. And I'm, I'm gonna, gonna create a, some emails, okay, this week from this next statement. So just bring them on. And, uh, but I do not believe it's some ecstatic utterance. I do not believe it's some heavenly language. I think when you read this, that everyone was understanding in their own language, it's quite clear that it was their own, it was a known language of that day. And I'll save the arguments in 1 Corinthians for the prescriptive element, and this is the descriptive. The only historical account we have of this is right here, and it is known languages. So I'll, you can send me the emails that you disagree with me and you can be wrong later on. All right. <laughs> but here's the point. Not was it an ecstatic utterance. Not was it a, a jumbled up language, a heavenly language. Not, no, no, don't, don't get caught up in that. Get caught up in this. That God was doing something supernatural. He was doing something beautifully Supernatural. God will use the Holy Spirit to do supernatural things. Supernatural things in His followers' lives to bring supernatural change in other people's lives. You know what I hope is a birthmark of Grace Point Church? There's, a, there's an element about us that you can't describe. There's a, there's a part about us that you can't box up and take home. There's a part about us that you, you don't find in another church, or maybe you do in other churches. I don't want it to be that true of other churches, but there's something about us. It's a distinguishing element, and you can't put your finger on it, but you can't live without it. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And I think when you look back over the past year, hopefully you can mark some things, look at some things, calendar some things, flagship some things. You can say, God did this in my life. God taught me this. God changed me. God redeemed my child. God changed my life. And you can point to that. What is that in your life? I want to read to you two emails, just in part, from a stuck series that I shared at the beginning of the year. Probably the most important 
impactful series of messages over the 13 years that I've shared as far as at least the number of responses, counseling elements that I've had to deal with and work through, uh, got to work through with people. But this came on one morning after, on one Monday morning after, after a Sunday message from a man and he said this, you do not know me, but me and my fiance have recently discovered your church and have been visiting for the past few weeks. We've been trying to find a church. I think we found it in Grace Point. I just wanted to tell you that I really got a lot out of your sermon yesterday on being stuck in dealing with anger. No need to get too much into the details, but I almost felt like you were talking directly to me about issues that, I had, that I've had with my employer. I am going to take your advice in dealing with the anger, and hopefully it will change my recent attitude toward the whole situation. Less than one hour later, I received this email from a woman. Yesterday, I felt God spoke to me to prepare me for a conversation I needed to have with my father. He called last night. We spoke, and he told me that I'm not his family. The words he spoke were hurtful. And all I kept thinking about is the pain that he has caused me. And I was thinking about the dark alley, which is a phrase I used during that series, space. I prayed, I cried, I prayed more, some more for him, most mostly for him. And I did pray that God would help me to forgive him. And then she goes into lots more details that I will save for confidentiality reasons. I have been attending your church for nine months. It brought me such joy in our lives. Thank you for the amazing message. And then she goes on, she says, Soon my fiancé and I uh, will we'll be married, and we're looking at Grace Point Church and on and on. Here's, here's the point. It's not to read some kudo emails. Here's what I want you to hear. Both people, as far as I know, don't know each other. And you actually may be in this room right now, for all I know. But both people said something like this. God spoke to me. God did this in me. And I hope to God and pray to God that there's always a God element of God working in your life and other people's lives. That's a birthmark of the early church. Another one is there's a multiplication element. Anything that's alive reproduces. Life begets life. It's just natural. You plant a tree, the tree produces leaves, the leaves produce, the the tree produces fruit, produces seeds, you produce life, and it just is the way that God made it. Life begets Life. You find that in the early church in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Those who accept the message were baptized and 3,000 were added to that number that day. To the number that day, there were additions, there was multiplication. I would call that. When I look at our church, I hope there are indicators of our church that we're multiplying and growing and becoming and reproducing. I love it that this past spring we reproduced 15 different small groups. Body life groups that, that, that we can go on and can continue to go on. And some are going on just for the study on what on earth are you here for? Life begets life. Church planning is one of those things that we believe in. We've talked about it. How are we going to do it? How are we going to reproduce life into other churches? We've got two churches this coming year that we're, we're planning on being a part of. 
helping to start. One is in the city of St. Louis. One is in the city of uh, of Boston. The St. Louis church is a church that is actually a relaunch. The church was dying in a growing community. It really didn't make sense. Uh, A great friend of mine goes in and and was asked to come in and pastor the church. And he goes in and he starts to pastor the church. And they're going to relaunch. And they have relaunched and they're growing, but they're still struggling to make ends meet. We're going to step in and help support them. Also, Chris Kazi moving his family up to Boston with a few other families to move to Boston, to live in Boston, to serve in Boston, relocating their families. We're going to come behind them and stand with them as they serve in the Boston area. I've got a video. I can't show it to you. It'll be online. There's more, more to come on that. I would say this. Life begets life. As a church, I hope that we are a church that is giving life into other people's. I hope that God is giving new life into you and that you can even look at your own life and you can say, God is working in my life and I want to help other people know this life. And what are you going to do? You're going to invite them. You're going to love on them. You're going to encourage them. You're going to bring them along. What's going to happen with that? When you start telling one of your friends about what God's done in your life and then they start doing, God starts doing a work in their life, they're going to come and they're going to sit right next to you. Isn't that awesome? But the people that are sitting next to you right now are going to do the same thing because God's alive in them and God's working in them and they're going to meet somebody that moves into the area over the summer and they're going to invite them. Hey, you're looking for a church? Come to my church. Guess what? It's going to fill up this room again. I just want to say this. We've only been in this building a year, not even a year yet. But God has blessed our church beautifully, and we're going to need to already do some expansion. We're calling it Envision 2, if you will, because we're still in Envision 1. We've already added parking, and we're going to add play space for our children, and we're looking at, we're looking at adding seating. Those walls that are right behind some of y'all right now will be knocked out this summer. We're going to add 300 more seats back there. You might, it's not just getting the church bigger. It's so that your neighbors and your friends and your coworkers, who you right now are loving on, praying for, will have a place. We want you to be a part. Challenge is this. The challenge is pretty clear. Uh, if, if you've been in giving to Envision, I ask that you'll take the next year and a half and you'll continue to give. If you've been giving 200 a month, continue to give 200 a month. That's what Lori and I are going to do. We're just going to keep giving monthly. Also, if you've never been a part of, of, a, of a plan like this, You've always attended a church where somebody else paid for the seat, paid for the parking spot, paid for the children's equipment. I would encourage you to carve out a bit of your life, a bit of that discretionary spending, and say, God, I'm going to give a little bit of this to invest in your kingdom work, both here and around the world. This is a challenge for all of us. We're going to do something now. The band's going to come back, and they're, they're going to, to lead us in a song. But every Sunday, we Jared and I especially take some time, and we think through what is the appropriate response to this message. He thinks it from a musical point of view. I think of it from a practical point of view. We bring it together. It's kind of the yin and the yang, I guess, of, of the planning process. And uh, in that process, we came to today. The best response today is for our members simply to say, I'm on board. Whatever it is. If you're on board, if you're not on board, whatever, whatever, wherever God has laid you. And we don't vote on a lot of things as a church. There are some churches who don't vote on anything. There are some churches who, who vote on everything. We're not that church for sure. We do vote on a few things. Because we want your thoughts, your views, your opinions on them. 
And so if you walk in today and you got one of these blue, blue sheets of paper, then you can take that out right now. Members, we want to encourage you to think through this. In a moment, halfway through the song, the, the ushers are going to come forward. They're going to pass the offering baskets. In, with your offering, go ahead and throw in your ballot. If you're, here's the conditions of this. If you're a member of Grace Point Church, a covenant member means you've gone to North Point, you're a baptized believer, you're following Christ, you're walking with Him, then we consider you a covenant member. And, uh, and so, and you're 16 years of old, age or older. Circle yes to that. If you do not circle that, your ballot will be cast out. All right? Uh, I hate to say that, but we have to do it every year. All right? Then you have the deacons. And some of y'all know uh, the deacons and the trustees that we're proposing. Some of y'all have been looking at that over the past week. Great. Hopefully you've prayed that through as we put those out there. The budget is there. The staff edition is there. And the trustees are there. This is your time. Listen, here, here, here's what I want you to do. Before, before you go quickly to that, I want you to pray with me as I pray with you. And I want you to follow the Lord's lead in this area. And when, you, when you're doing this, you're not just circling pencil and paper. Please, please. I want you to take a second. I want you to pray for everyone and everything involved. And everything you've heard here, commit it to God. Would you do that right now? Father God, we bow before you and we thank you that we're a church that's bigger than ourselves. That you do work beyond us. And we commit this time and these decisions to you now. In Jesus' name, amen.